Well, Janine, firstly, thank you for having us in your, your beautiful home. It's, a, it's nice and refreshing uh, to see the water. We, we're usually cooped up in a little room. It's probably about 10 square metres. Yeah, fluorescent lighting. <laughs> White walls. <laughs> so, yeah, this is a, a nice surprise. Um, obviously, your, your resume speaks for itself. We'll, we'll jump into a lot of that today. What Jesse and I are really excited about today is, I suppose for us, with what we do at Colour Plan, we speak to hundreds of businesses, work with lots of different individuals on a daily basis. And a lot of those, a lot of our market and audience is very young. So young entrepreneurs, people wanting to start businesses, aspiring to do big and wonderful things in this world. And so, yeah, we're just really excited because we think your insights are just going to be so valuable uh, specifically for those people, you know, in that infant stage of business. So, yeah, thank you. Thank you for coming on. Pleasure. Thanks for having me. Cool. So let's jump into it. Obviously, right now in your career, you are kind of, I suppose, at the, you're shifting between a few things at the minute. So you've got, you know, you've been there with Boost from the early stage. That's been your baby. And now you're branching off into, you've got your hands in a few different pies, whether that's the retail space or TV you're kind of everywhere. My, my first question I want to start with is how do you prioritise your time in a business sense between all those different ventures? Uh, it's not about priority. It's about actually time management really. So for a start, you never over-promise. So you, I, never say some, I never say yes to something that I don't think I can actually give, give my time for or that I have the expertise in. So I think it's just making sure that you, you look at what you've got on your plate and you think, can I give enough of that? So I think that um, when you're starting off, you know, as, as you know, because you know, you're um, mates of my sons, right? So you know, I've known you for since you've been, you know, small and rascally, and apparently doing all sorts of things in my house basement, Jesse. <laughs> we, we don't talk about that. Yeah, okay. uh, well, we might go and dig a bit deeper a little bit later. Later into on. That. Later on. Um, but I think that once you're sort of at that stage, you're sort of in that uh, you're in that business as a baby, right? So mm. you guys have a young business, right? At the moment, it's all on you, right? You go to the post office, you go to the bank, you do the loans, you do the you, – you, everything's about you. As you grow or as your business grows, um, suddenly they're a bit more independent. There, It's a bit bigger. You've got more people to be able to hand, – hands-on to be able to do things. And then it gets to a point where it's a really big business and you've got CEOs in place, you've got CFOs, you've got the structure in place. And so really your job, as my job now is, if, say, for my sons – is to be the mentor and the guider. So there is some roles that I do that. So, for example, my own business, which is Retail Zoo, that is who I am. I'm the person that will come in and know the DNA of the business and keep it back on keep it on track with with wisdom and with lessons that I've all probably all the stuff I've got wrong really more than anything. <laughs> and um, and then also taking those successes, what's worked, into these other businesses or board roles that I've got. Also that online um, course I'm bringing out later in the year. Janine, you've been at Retail Zoo for tw- nearly 25 years. Would you call – I know the approach you've taken, you know, you, you are very fast-paced. Would you call failure a friend of yours? Oh, you have to fail. It's actually, you know, the Irish wake. You have to. You know, people get so caught up in um, your failures. And your first failures hurt, right? So – but I always used to think of them as courses, right? So I went to a tech school, left school at – year 11 so never went to university and I think okay well I never paid my university degree back then so um, if you make a mistake and hire someone and they do absolute balls it up it always costs money so I always think all right I've done a course on hiring the right person or I've done a course in selecting the right site or getting the right manufacturer and it's and I've got it wrong okay that cost me fifty thousand dollars okay I did a fifty thousand dollar course I'm going to learn those lessons mm. right so whenever you get it wrong and, and if you're not getting things wrong you're not trying hard enough so as soon as you get it wrong you have to stop and go how do I avoid in the future so so in actual fact when people say to me um, Janine tell me about all the things you got wrong what did you do about them I can't actually now see the things I got wrong as wrong because the business wouldn't be where it is today without those lessons and out, without those mistakes. And I know that sounds a bit corny, but it's actually so true. Like COVID, right? If I sat with you guys and said, right, in 2018, by the way, in a year's time, we're going to be uh, – a pandemic's going to hit and we're going to be closing the country down for three years and this is the world. By the way, you're not going to be going you – know, I would have told you all what was going to happen. We'd all be stressed rocking in the corner. Mm-hmm. 
But there is so many great things that came from COVID, right? There was businesses in business world, right? They've innovated in a way that never thought before. They've now look at they look at how people work. You know, is it three days? Is it five days? Is it working from home? Is it not? There is so many things have changed. Industries have been brought out from from what's happened in COVID. So there's always this when things go really bad. That's when gold happens. I want to dive really deeply into the time management because, you know, we're, we're speaking about someone that's involved with like Yochi, Betty's Burgers, Salsas, Kogan, like we could, the lists will be as long as this podcast. How are you, like, what's a day-to-day look like? Okay. Day-to-day look like, like you have to be the um, guide, what's the word? You have to be, you have to run your diary well, right? So, I find even with catching up friends, you know when you go, oh, I haven't seen Ollie or someone for ages, right? Put in the diary. Might be in six months' time. Put in the diary, it'll happen. So I make sure that my diary is my guide. Um, so, for example, when I was in even in Boost, you know, full time, um, I would have I'd have no meetings on Monday and have no meetings on Friday, and I wouldn't have any meetings until eleven o'clock. You hung over or what was going on there? <laughs> you no, know, I I love my mornings, right? Yeah. So going back to your question, so I get up at five thirty. Um, I pick up my phone and um, check what's going on with regards to the world. First thing in the world, pick up the phone. And also because I pick up the phone because my girlfriend Emily is finding out what surf we're going to okay. go for. So Smart. then we, we check out what surf we go, preferably a small surf somewhere. And then, um, you know, by six o'clock, you know, I'm up to sort of sorting Talia out, my 14-year-old. And, um, you know, by, by 6.15 I'm in the water somewhere. And so, and I, if I miss it, I feel like something's wrong. I feel like I'm out of whack. I'm in, I'm an absolute gnarly mood for the rest of the day. So I suppose you would say you prioritised your mornings then for yourself. I did. Yeah. But let's not kid ourselves. Between 30 and 40, when I'm where, where I am where you guys are, when I was where you guys are, um, I had no life balance, right? I had three kids at home. I had a husband had a high high executive job. I was doing a business I've never done before. Um, I was growing a business. We went from zero to hundred stores in four years. I had no life, right? I had I didn't catch up with friends. I did probably netball once a week, and that was it. And even then, I was thinking about what was happening the next day. Um, you know, the um, I was traveling all the time. I was uh, there was from thir- from thirty to forty. There was no life balance. There was none of this surfing in the morning and yogaing and none of this stuff. Right? It was just crazy. Get there. I remember one time that. Um, I thought about when was the last time I ate and it was four days. Oh, wow. wow. Right? So you just get this, you, you're going on adrenals yeah. because there's so much happening and you're so, um, I know, it was, I had such a great care factor to get it right. And I think sometimes, and if you want to do anything, if you want to be an Olympian, if you want to be a great basketballer or whatever you want to be, you've got to sacrifice. And for me, I sacrificed my 30s. But equally, I wouldn't have changed it because yeah. I loved it. You know, I would sit up until 2 o'clock in the morning finishing my work because I was just – it was so invigorating. Equally, there was times when I hated it. I hated I was like, this is just – I'm not having fun. And then we go to a health retreat for five days, fill the bucket back up and get back into it. Back, good for another five years. Yeah, well, at least five months and then yeah. go again. Was there any other stories of burnout in that in your 30s? Was there any moment where you just like, God, it was nearly all over? Or? Oh, yeah, heaps of times. I mean, I remember sat sitting with, um, with Jeff, um, my husband partner, and the other Jeff partner, and um, my, my bucket was empty. And I just said – that's it, we need to find a CEO, we need to get, we need to take that next step, we need to da-da-da-da, and then for another two years still kept going, right? So there, there is definitely burnout times because, you know, you've got, you know, I'm still got, I had Oliver running around two-year-old, I had Riley still on the boob, so it was just relentless. But equally, it, it, it was invigorating and fun and it was everything it was every emotion when you do your own business it was fear I mean Jesus there was times when you just went whew don't know how I'm gonna get out of this one yeah. <laughs> like we sold our family home mm. you know we had we were all in we were living in um in Malvin in a rental property squashed into two bedrooms yeah I really want to dive in on that I think one of the most amazing things about your story is just what you overcame and maybe Probably, I think when people think about Janine Ellis, they probably don't know exactly what maybe 20 to 30 looked like for you. Um, I'd love for you to maybe take us back to either when you're overseas or when you've just come back 
to Australia and you've been put on that journey of kind of starting Boost? Well, 20 to 30, I was... Um, so at 21, I put a backpack on my back and headed overseas, right? So this was the time... I know this shows my age. Uh, there was no mobile phones. There was no internet. There was, you know, the only way to communicate was snail mail. You know, that's pretty much it. But um, and I was completely naive, so I pretty much put a backpack on my back, went overseas, was a camp counsellor, worked on David Bowie's yacht, um, worked as a nanny in France, just basically. But that taught taught me more about business than when I came back to business, because in actual fact, when you're a young traveller, particularly a naive young woman that wore shorts probably too short, right? I got myself into all sorts of trouble, right? I was in Tenerife, Spain with um, two guys in the back of the car trying to find a safe house because they had a, a, a contract on their lives, right? Because it was dodgy, Tenerife, Spain, that's another thing. <laughs> uh, 20 of my friends were in jail um, that we used to go and visit because, and the judge was conveniently sick for three months so they wouldn't get out. Like it was <laughs> really bad, right? Straight from the born identity. Wow. You know, go, to, um, go to France and, you know, so all sorts of stories. So what it taught me was problem-solving skills. Because some of the problem-solving skills, if you don't solve when you're travelling overseas, it's, it can be fatal, right? Mm-hmm. So it was really those skills were invaluable. The other thing, skill that it taught me was um, working with Bowie. So I don't know about you guys, but I always thought there's two types of people. There's you know, us normal people and then there's super people. Like, you know, there's Bowie and Jagger and... Celebrities. Know, celebrities, <laughs> yeah, right? Yeah. Super people, right? Yeah. Um, and um, But when I've worked with him, living on the boat with him, you just find that people are people. So when I came to start my business when I was 30, 32, um, I actually never felt more than or less than anyone else. So because I went... Because it demystified the people are anything different. Now, I was always the least educated in any room, right? Definitely had, you know... You know, there was accountants and lawyers. But because I was one of these rare people that read every single word on every contract, I made sure that I knew exactly what I was talking about. And I, and I asked the questions. I thought they were dumb questions. I didn't care. If I didn't know it, I would ask it. And even today, I just keep going, no, nah, I don't know what that is. I should know what it is, but I don't know what it is. Did I even answer that question? I don't know, but I love where you went. Yeah, <laughs> yeah 20 to, so 20 to 30. So, 20, oh, so, okay, I'll finish that then. Um, so pretty much, you know, some people go overseas, you know, and you know, I said to my mum I was going over three months. I came back seven years later with a two-year-old, right? So some, <laughs> some um, parents brought the, their mother, you know, little trinkets. <laughs> you <laughs> Here you are. <laughs> so, you know, so pretty much at 27 years old. So, wow. you know, exactly your age now, I had um, – I'd travelled for seven years around the world and I had a two-year-old single parent um, starting again and I had nothing. Wasn't like, planned, I'm assuming? No, it wasn't quite. It was one of those whoopsie. Yeah. <laughs> one know. of those. Oh, yeah, damn it. <laughs> yeah. You know. um, so, yeah, and so then, yeah, I came back and but it was through my contacts I made overseas that I actually got a job back in Australia as running cinemas in, in Village Roadshow. And, um, and so... From there, I went to Singapore. I opened up some of the cinemas over there with my two-year-old and um, uh, came back to Australia, got a job with as a publicist for United International Pictures. And again, I started working with movie stars with, say, Reese Witherspoon and Patrick Swayze and Patrick Stewart and Robin Williams and blah, 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 all these sort of um, names. Um, and then that's where I met Jeff. And it was pretty much from um, that moment on that, you know, had a couple more kids and then, um, you know, that entrepreneurial spirit sort of came out. So it was more of an adventurer. I was more of a, I want an adventure, mm. more than an entrepreneur because I grew up in an area a long way away from you guys. I was in um, Baronia, mm-hmm. right? So there was no one there that had their own businesses, no one. There was no one there that went to university. There was no, there was no one. So your aspirations were like you, you think about right now, right? You guys, I know where you guys went to school. So you just go, oh, there was university and there's my own business and there's all these opportunities. When you're brought up in an area where they're the they're not the leaders, they're the sort of the followers. You you do have a you have to kind of break that barrier of expectation. A lot of our listeners, Janine, I think, are in that place where they're they're probably trying to break through. What what was it for you? I mean, you threw that backpack on on your back at 21 and just headed overseas. Like, what's that driving force? Because you're you're in Baroni, you're not surrounded by any leaders. Where did it come from for you? Um, naivety. I think that you don't know what you don't know, right? So if I, if my daughter at twenty one 
said to me, I want to go overseas. I've got no idea to stay, haven't got any plans. I'm going, ha, nah, right? Because I can tell you all the dangers and things that can happen, right? So it was Navy. If, if you came to me and said, look, I want to open 100 stores in four years, I've got no business experience, what do you think? I'd go, nah, don't do it, right? So it was, it was the lack of that glass ceiling. It was a lack of that barrier. That, because what happens is we self-taught in all the things we can't do. Right, I you haven't you go. I'm, I haven't got an experience in manufacturing clothes. I can't do that. I haven't got manufacturing in. I can't. I can't be a big business. So it's actually self self taught. Mm-hmm. It's in your brain. You're telling what you can't do. And so because I didn't because of how I was raised, I didn't know what I didn't know. I didn't know what I couldn't do. It was only when I got into it I went, oh shit, here we go. It's a bit late now. House is already gone. The house is sold. Off we go. Yeah. So it was the naivety and that, and I didn't put any barriers on, on what I thought I could do. I just thought I could do it. I thought I would – I didn't think I could do it. I thought I would find a way. <clears throat> was Bruce then a long time in the making or was it one of those moments where you were like come across an opportunity, maybe you're travelling and you're like, I think I can do this and, no, uh, and look, dived head first? It was more, it was more that um, I had Riley. Uh, he was he – was, uh, I was on maternity leave with Riley and we, we d- I did not want to go to work for someone again. I wanted to have my own de- destiny. So we tried a few things. So I was a publicist, for, Jeff was in radio. So the first thing we tried was touring comedians. So we tried, um, God, we tried to get Seinfeld. We tried to get, you know, um, who else do we try to get? Rob Williams maybe? We no, we didn't get him. We didn't try for him. We probably would have if we thought of. But we tried to get these really top comedians and after paying this guy a fortune because we paid someone in America to try and get them out, we got the guy called Bob Smith, right? No one heard of him. He was a gay comedian. Uh, he wasn't even that funny. Um, and so we brought him out. We toured him. Didn't make any money. So we thought, okay, that didn't work. So next thing – so we failed fast. Mm-hmm. We didn't know what that was the terminology back then, but we failed fast. Next thing we did was we thought we'd do publishing. So we t- published this book from this um, Asian woman who she was a bitch. Um <laughs> That was fun. <laughs> and then um, so we did our own books called Love Checks, which was like instead of giving, say, your girlfriend a flowers, you give them, you know, this check, say you'll do designated do- or dishes or sex with you now or whatever, whatever, whatever was in the, whatever was in the uh, Love Checks. That publishing was too hard. Um, so it was actually through um, – we went to a junket in – I went with Jeff overseas and saw the category of smoothies and juices over there. And I didn't like the look of it but I went – Oh, there was back back then. There was the only healthy thing was literally fried chips, as probably as healthy as you can get fast food. So I came back. I thought, well, imagine getting more fruit and vegetables in people's diet. And I always approach my business as a customer. And I thought, this is what I would want. I would have this all the time. So pretty much came back to Australia. Uh, Jeff was travelling around Australia because he was in radio, and he saw a site in Adelaide. And um, we did the worst leasing deal, and it was the worst site. It was a heritage listed. It was did had no. It was shocking, oh, no. but we took it and it got started. And I think that for people listening, sometimes just getting started, just doing it, because that's when your lessons are learned. Like you think about your business, right? So you could have gone. I need to do all the research before I even start. You'd still be doing researching now. Mm-hmm. You, but it was actually when you made your first garment that you started to go. Oh, okay. I might need to go to China to sort it out, or I might need to. You know, really think about the colour zones or whatever you learn, but you don't know it until you start. So sometimes planning is important, but analysis of paralysis will kill you. 100%. I heard uh, Jeff signed some big leasing deals early on in Bruce, which um, put a bit of a, for better or worse, a firecracker up, up your backside in terms of uh, a lot of pressure and probably fear um, that ultimately looks like it was a positive fear. Um, do you want to speak on that a little bit, what, what, what that lease was yeah, and what well that looked look, like? I think the key thing with starting a business, and again, um, your listeners and you guys will appreciate, if you, when you're a startup, people haven't been with you long enough to add value because it takes about six months when people work with you before they truly add value, right? So the businesses was young. And so, yeah, Jeff went around, did a big deal with Westfield and signed, I think, 18 to 21 leases. Right? Now, we couldn't afford to build them. We couldn't afford to do it. But... The thing was, you, you said it was fear. I don't know if it was fear other than, whew, okay, let's go. And mm. I remember saying to the team I had, the very small team I had, that I said, don't count. Let's not count how many stores because it's too overwhelming. What do we need to do today to get that one open in, say, three months' time? And so I spent my time creating systems, right, okay, 
like we said before about failure, all right, shit, we missed that deadline, right, what can I put in place to to do that, right? Um, you know, someone stole $6,000 out of one of the stores and was said, we haven't got a cash policy. Uh, okay, I think his parents should have told him that mm. stealing 6000 is probably not a good thing to do, but I'll put a policy in place. So all these, you just constantly going, right, how the hell do I get these stores open? And they all opened and they all got there and we all did it and it was fine and, you know, I was only a little bit, insane and <laughs> stressed but you don't I think sometimes people think about how overwhelming the whole thing is mm. uh, but if you come back to what do I have to do today to achieve it yeah like it's and then you just every single day the other thing you need to do every day as a person and as a business is don't ever think you're there like you you have to always go there is a better way I will find it right so if you think that your system's right you're wrong Right, because there's always a better way, always. Mm. And it doesn't come from necessarily me. It could come from a, your younger sibling it could, who happened to see something on TikTok, right? It could be something as simple as that. But just having that open mind is actually gold. D- does that lead us into like mentorship? Do you, do you have mentors that pick your brain? Oh, not pick your brain, probably the opposite. Do you pick their brain on those systems? Uh, yeah, look, early days it was. Like I never had a mentor as such because, as I said, I didn't have time to scratch myself. So let alone to have – I never even thought about mentors. Yep. But what I did do in that mentoring theme was that I would find people that were um, ahead of me, right, and I would say, can I buy you a coffee? And I would sit there with a pad and paper and I would write – I would suck them dry of all my questions and I equally now pay that forward because they didn't get anything out of it other than – helping this young, enthusiastic girl with long hair to her bottom who never had time to cut it. And a coffee. And, and a coffee. And a coffee, yeah. Actually, one guy, poor guy, he, um, he actually spilled his coffee all over him. So, <laughs> so that was uh, – he was actually invested in the end in the oh, business. Good. So that worked out well. I'm so sorry for yeah. This guy needs some serious help. Yeah, no, seriously. So, um, so I think – so that's how I did it. So I'd go mm. – so there was a woman called uh, Leslie Gillespie Gillespie from Baker's Delight, who's one of the founders, who she was amazing. So they'd been around for 20 years when we started. And I would catch up with her once a month, buy her a coffee, that's all she wanted, and she would give me discs of systems. She would, she, I would come to her and say, look, we're having a problem here, what do you think? She would go, here, this is, what you should, this is what we've learned. So she was amazing. So she wasn't necessarily – well, I suppose she could be a mentor, but um, the other one was Jeff Harris, who was a co-founder of Flight Centre. Again, he came in as an early investor. Again, I would just sit there and just you know suck him dry with regard to what I needed. But equally, I didn't take everything they said didn't necessarily if it didn't relate to me or I didn't think it resonated or it wasn't the view that I wanted. Mm. So, for example, um, I'll give you an example. So Jeff Harris said he liked people in a uniform, so they felt like a team, right? I hated that because I had an experience in Singapore when I went into a, a cinema called Bishan and I turned it around from a loss <coughs> making to a profit. And I worked six days a week. I was working 15-hour days. And I had a two-year-old also that I was dealing with as a single mum. He walked in um, and I was expecting you know, a little bit of pat on the back, just saying, right? And I had a cut-off sleeve shirt. And so all he could say was, oh, look, you really need to um, you know, wear sleeves. I was like... I thought to myself, just fuck off. Like, really? Is that what you're going to say? And so what I loved about that, talking about negatives into positives, was that in my business I never had dress code, right? I don't care. You can come in shorts. I don't really care, right? I won't judge you on how you look or what you wear. I will judge you on what you do. And um, so I think that um, in life that's what you judge people on. Speaking of uniforms, you're going to jump in there. Speaking of uniforms. Yeah, well, this is our sales pitch. No, <laughs> not quite. But Bruce being an international company, can only imagine how many T-shirts everyone's going through, getting all sweaty, you know, working hard. What's, what's that look like in terms of the scale of rolling out those uniforms across? How many stores is Boost internationally? Uh, there's about worldwide about 600. Okay. Um, 640, I think there is. Um, so, yeah, no, there was. Now, the going back to uniforms, right, so, again – you know, you've got to understand that you've got a, a client, which is your customer, but you also want to employ great people. Now, I wanted to make sure that the, the uniform that they wore was cool because mm. <clears throat> I wanted great, cool people to work for me and they wanted to go, yeah, I, I like the cool T-shirt. It's a Levi cut. It's, you know, it's cool. It's, you know, 
Um, so, but the um, but it was hard because with business in Australia is it's the margins are huge. Yeah, you know, labour is expensive. It's getting more expensive. Everything's getting more expensive in Australia. And so, you know, we tried to get as much as we could from Australia, but it was just not feasible. It mm. had to come from China or it had to come to Taiwan, but you had to get the right quality. You had to, you know, all those things. <clears throat> Excuse me. Hang on, I need a water. Okay. Sorry. Are you done? We'll do a pause on that. <laughs> <laughs> so what? Um, no, I'm, I'm okay, thanks, Janine. I'm the right colour. Yeah. Yeah. Looks good. Is that in the orange? Yeah. Green and orange, yeah. I always think green when I think grapes. I don't know. Okay. <clears throat> yeah, you were saying... Take two. Uniforms. Um, go for quality, guys. Yeah. Yeah, <laughs> go for quality. So, the green uniforms, very iconic. Is it Black. Black. Black with green. Done caps. my homework. Yeah. <laughs> Done lots of homework here, obviously. Green cup. Great Green cup. Green cup, green cup, there you go. I'm somewhere there. Um, so, yeah, how many – so 640 stores, how many staff per store? Like what, 15, 20. Yeah, so we're, like we're talking thousands of garments. Like how did you go – because I'm, I'm assuming manufacturing is not like your your craft mm-hmm. and when you're scaling, what was it, 100 stores in four years, like yeah. you probably need to find a manufacturer. So it was a business in itself. Yeah, no, yeah. look, we went through third parties. So oh. we you know, you know, so we could have gone direct to China, but you've got to stick with what you're good at, yeah. right? Mm-hmm. We could have bought a yogurt factory, you know, but at the end of the day, we were retailers. So we're not sellers of clothes, um, but we, we put, purchased them. So we didn't really sort of go down the path of, you know, making sure we got the right ones. We went through a, a company that did it. it and, then, and so they yeah. took a, the clip of the ticket. You've got to remember that also we were a small team. I didn't have a purchasing person at the time. I didn't have a lot of people that you probably would need to do that. And that would have taken my focus off Boost, which, you know, that's where my focus needed to be. Mm-hmm. And I think that, again, for listeners of this podcast, if you're a startup, is, um, you know, you've really got to be laser-focused on your outcome and also be customer-focused mm-hmm. always. Yep, well said. Yeah, there's a lot of young brands that try to stand for everything and end up falling for nothing. Yeah, and understand who your market is to so that yeah. point, right? When you, if you speak to someone and say, "Who's your market?" Oh, it's everyone. No, it's not. Yeah. If it's everyone, well, who are you going to target it to? Because how you target to a fifty-five-year-old or a sixty-year-old is very target different to a fourteen-year-old, mm-hmm. right? So know your market. Speaking about things that you look for, you obviously went on Shark Tank for a few seasons, and what they run? Sorry, delivery guy. Delivery. <laughs> it's all good. Hmm. Mm. A few deliveries in this household. <laughs> Surfboard for Ollie Ellis. <laughs> hey, how you going? What's this? Oh, yeah. <laughs> that was a real. That was a real. <laughs> oh yeah. <laughs> Banger. Yeah, yeah. Now, so what did I start speaking of? Uh, you were speaking of speaking Shark Tank. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's a good one. Yeah, what the hell I started speaking of things, uh, things you look for or something like that. Yeah, speaking of things you look for in, in a business. Yeah, and then we'll lead into us being Shark Tank, us wanting to do it down the line. Yeah, and I think we'll lead into fashion startups as well. I can be invested yeah. in fashion companies. Yeah, and what would you look for? Mm. That's probably it. Scaling, a little bit of scaling. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. There we go. <laughs> If you're doing it, that's a fair set of stairs. <laughs> I've got a great ass. Yeah. <laughs> thanks, thanks to the stairs. <laughs> it's all these stairs. Um, no, so we were saying, speaking of things that you look for in businesses, you're obviously on Shark Tank for a few seasons. And I'm not sure if you are or have invested in a fashion company before. We were wondering maybe what you would look for if you were to invest in a fashion business or brand. Um, first thing I look for is uh, there's a number of things you've got to get right to get it right. right? So first of all, the product has to be good and the product has to also be tested in the market. It's not, no, no, it's not testing on your parents or your siblings to go, yeah, that's great, mate, that's awesome. It really has to be, is people prepared to open their wallet or if it's B2B, uh, business to business, are people prepared to invest, right? So first of all, is the product any good? That even if it's the best product on the planet, 
if the people behind the product haven't got that fire mm. and that passion, the business will go nowhere, right? I don't care how good the product is if the person's – in actual fact, you've got more chance of being successful with a crap product with a good person than you are with a crap person and a good product. Because it's, though, it's, it's like um, those people that go to base camp and go, oh, I'm done, I can't do any more. You want the people who can go to Everest to the top. That's what you want because it's hard, you know, it's dangerous, it's scary. It's You want those people who've got the tenacity to keep going, mm. not going, I really need life balance now, you know, I really need to think about myself, right? <laughs> you actually have to have that determination to go, I will get there. You nearly need to have a bit of a little screw, little just loose a little bit. Mm. <laughs> sure. I, I love that. I, I think with what you're saying too is if you are ready to go to the top of Everest, through the the knocks along the way, the product will shape itself. Yeah. But so it's within that pursuit. But if you don't, if you, as you just said, if you don't have the ability to go to Everest, then it will never take shape. Yeah. No, look, there's one, there's a number of things guaranteed, right, in business that you'll probably get sued, right? Um, that there will be mistakes. Uh, that you will have challenges that you have to solve all the time, and some people just get beaten down by that. You know, whether it's like a resilience or whether it's just in their DNA, they're just not tough. And you've got just got to be – you've just got to be tough. So it's just that you – know, so, so for example, right, so if anyone comes to you and they're from a regional town or they're from overseas, they're most likely going to be a harder worker than a local. I'm generalising, but I've found that often because they've had it harder or they've had to – they haven't gone – oh, you know, I want the, you know, I, I want to have a bit more life balance and I'm 23. Um, they're the ones that, uh, there's nothing wrong with that path, but don't get into business, right? Work for someone. What, what percentage of people would you say are, are prepared to, to make a business like a worthwhile pursuit? 1%. About 1%? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, we've certainly seen that in, and it, it just comes down to the relentless pursuit, which I would also say is your strength, by the way. I think as you spoke about like the celebrities and you didn't care who they were, you know, that their status, like you're a girl from Baronia, there's David Bowie and you're like, I don't give a fuck, you know? And I think... I did, I did go, it's David Bowie. That I, fuck. Did, yeah. I must admit. <laughs> that is David Bowie. I actually, used the wrong person. Actually, one time he, he I was sitting there cleaning dishes because, you know, that's actually what I did that on the boat. And he started to sing Space Oddity and I went, oh, wow. oh that's Bowie. That's fine. Wow. <laughs> wow. Yeah, I mean... It's, so just for me. Just <laughs> <laughs> dream. So, so when you're sitting in that chair, you just said people is ultimately the biggest factor to whether a business is going to have success or Always. not. Always. It's a person. Always. So with Shark Tank, how does that work? Because you, you're obviously listening to a two or three minute pitch is what yeah. everyone sees on TV. I'm sure that you guys are wanting to do your due diligence after the fact that you've correct. accepted yeah. a deal and maybe it's a few months or what does that look like? Yeah, correct. So basically with Shark Tank, it was like an engagement, right? You go, yep, if what you said is true, this looks like a business I invest in. But then when you, you open up and look under the hood, you go, oh, you don't own the recipe of your thing? The manufacturer does. Hmm. Um, oh, your, your shareholding's not like that? Okay. And then one, what this was a classic. A guy said to me, you know, I said I was in 100 stores. I said, yeah. He goes, I got nervous. I'm only in 10. <laughs> Just 10 exit. it. <laughs> Just throw the zeros in when you get nervous. I went... Right, <laughs> kind of makes it a little bit different. Just, yeah. just saying, just right? So, so there is. So, in actual fact, probably a lot of them don't make it through due diligence, which right. is fine, you makes know. Sense. It, but you know, at the end of the day, the businesses went like this because they had got great exposure. Yeah. Do Do you think, like, from that experience, was what was your strike rate, even just mentally, where you're like, you might have not invested in it for X, Y, and Z, but do you think you could tell the good people within two minutes? Oh, you know what? You'll find this as you go along, as you get your business gets bigger. You think that you hire someone, you think, oh, I got it right. I, I'm so, I can so pick people. I'm the best, right? And then the next time you pick someone and you think they're great and then they are complete nutbags, right? And you just go, oh, I'm hopeless. I can't pick it, right? Mm -hmm. So you look, at the end of the day, um, you, you go with – I look for um, – and you might have read that because – something I talk about a lot because I think it's really important. I look for people who are who really are solution-based, take ownership, accountability and responsibility, which is sore, right? But if, I, if I'm interviewing someone or for a job and they go down the victim stage or I call it the verb, which is, you know, victim, like, oh, you know, I was – I, I could have got that job, but it wasn't my fault, you know, entitled. I've been in the job for three years. They never gave me a promotion. Or, you know, if they start talking about rescue, you know, where they never come up with solutions, they always look for you to help them or they blame the world, you know. Oh, my business went broke because the economy was bad or it was macro it was macro forces, right? Macro forces. Bloody hate that because it's never anyone's fault. It's always macro forces, <laughs> right? COVID hit and... Uh, yeah, it's macro forces, yeah, right? Yeah, yeah. 
Um, so if people start talking about that stuff, I go run away as quick <laughs> as I can, right? Because they're for me, they're verbs, right? And in fairness, we can all be verbs, right? We can all be the, you know, poor me, you know, da 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 da. It's not my fault because it makes us feel better about it if it's not my fault. What people don't realise though, if it's not your fault, you you actually relinquish all the power to actually fix it. Yeah, it's also a trait that doesn't lend itself to being an entrepreneur and doesn't. running your own ship. It's, no, yeah. because shit goes wrong all the time. Yeah. But as soon as you go, it's not my fault, it's macro forces, it's not my fault, it's the economy, it's not my fault, you don't try and look for a solution. Instead of you going, shit, it's my fault, how do I fix it? Then that's when you go, right, okay, well, let me think about it. Well, how am I going to fix it? Well, all right. It, it completely changed the mind shift because if, you, if it's not your fault, there's nothing you can do about it. A quick, uh, great point, a quick shift we, we touched on. I really want to hear your opinion on university. You know, like we we went to the same school as your son and in year 12 there's kids having anxiety, panic attacks, left, right and centre with thinking, you know, I'm not going to get a great ATAR score, you know, go to university. It's such a big deal. I, Me personally, I don't think it's, you know, a great path. I don't advise it. You know, I don't promote it. Did you do it? it. Did I you did. Go? Yeah. I did. I got a five-year degree, $65,000 hex debt that I'm paying off. Um, <laughs> love it. But... What are your thoughts? I think um, if I was having my head cut open by a brain surgeon, I would hope he went to university, right? Yeah, yep. Um, Look, I've got – there's six of us in the family. Uh, Oliver was the only one to win university. He did a marketing degree and he thought it was a waste of time. But my God, did he have fun, right? Mm. So, you know, I think that that university has its place, depends on what you want to be. Right, mm-hmm. if you want to do law, I think take that path. If you don't know what you want to do and you're still not ready to jump into it, you know, university is the way. Or if you want to have fun and do uni games, knock yourself out. Um, I, I think I do truly believe in Australia that it's not like America where if you haven't done university, it's not going to it's not a negative, right? I don't believe that is, or or from my experience, I think so. It's not the pressure in Australia as it is in America that you know if, uh, that you have to do it. So I think that. You find your passion and it might be through the university path. You might be an academic and you might want to do that. But if you're – so it depends on the individual. So I'm not saying don't do uni or do do uni. I think – but I wouldn't do uni because your friends are doing it or because you think you have to because sometimes – like Riley, for example, right? We spoke about my youngest son, Riley, who's a YouTuber, right? University wouldn't have helped him. No, not at all. (laughs) Right? Instead, he went straight from school. He worked at um, Retail Zoo, our – and worked in the IT department, learned more than he would have possibly learned at university and then went out and did his own business. So I think it depends on the individual. Um, but university, unless unless it's something you truly think you're going to get something out of, you, you end up with a very big debt that you've got to pay out for a long time. Um, but the thought theory of, like I hear some parents talk about, and good on them if they think that, but, oh, do university because it shows you can finish something. Well, Really? Yeah, Does that shallow. really show them anything other than they get good drugs and drink? <laughs> Pretty much, hey. Janine, all we hear is the the saying, it's not what you know, it's who you know. And, you know, someone that is, you know, high up in the business world as yourself, what, what do you think that saying means? And how do – I think when the youth hear that, they don't know how to act upon it. So yeah. what, do you have any tips, practical tips? Yeah, I think um, – I think – look – it's easier path if you can actually find people who can take you down, depending on what your passion is, right? So, but you'll find though that if you've got the tenacity to keep at people, not stalking, stalking's bad, <laughs> just for the record. Um, but if you, you may not, you might be like Baronia, right? Who did I know in Baronia? I knew no one. But when I was working in um, Singapore, I wanted to make sure I came back to Australia and get a good job. So when the guys came out from the movie company UIP, I made sure I introduced myself. I made sure that they got to know me. I made sure that I made a connection with them. So I think that when you have an opportunity, don't let it go. Like if you're, um, you know, if, if you've, in, like I'm a publicist, right? So if I want attention and I want you to understand about Boost Juice, I might send you a pack, mm-hmm. right? Um, or I might, you know, if, if you really wanted to meet someone and you go, I really back my product, you go send them a box, a gift with a note, handwritten note saying, hey, look, if you've got time, I would love to pick your brains, I'll da-da-da-da, I'll do a Zoom call, I'll do whatever I can to just have five minutes with you. So 
you can actually, you can do, well, go back to the sore and verb thing. You can turn around and go, I don't know anyone, right? Poor me. Or you go, how do I get hold of X and make an impression to hopefully get them to help me? With, with technology today moving so quickly, people are leaning more into, you know, Zoom calls and email and text and less face-to-face interaction. Do you still put a big emphasis on face-to-face? Look, face-to-face is, is really, particularly in a um, collaborative format, in the sense of board meetings. You know, yes, Zoom's easy because I get up, go to my room, do a Zoom meeting, I go and get a cup of tea. If I have to go into the city, it's it's a big effort. However, it's the conversations before and after the meetings tend to be the most valuable. Mm. So, you know, there, I think a bit of both, but I do think that um, I do think that one-to-one interaction is where the gold is you know sitting around brainstorming and and also being inspired by the people like definitely you know and we were talking earlier about the different personality styles and the different skills people have you know it's being in the same room because you're taking away again what we're talking about before is a sensor mm-hmm. you talk because everyone mm-hmm. has an energy and you can't get that energy through a zoom call so i think that but it's easy it's mm-hmm. easy to zoom do a zoom call and it's cheap because you're yeah. not playing on a flight you're not Yep, yep, yeah, yep. we could have done this via Zoom. Yeah, but as you said, it wouldn't have felt the same or been the same. No, yeah. and I wouldn't have been able to take the piss out of you for um, <laughs> what you did in my basement. Oh. <laughs> done a good job of that. You've done a good um, job. If you were 18 right now, that young girl in Baronia, you wanted to start a business in today's climate, what are you doing? Um, look, it depends on what I personally want, right? Most businesses start with the line of wouldn't it be good if, right? So mine would be wouldn't it be good if I get more fruit and vegetables in the, in, the, um, in the diet or wouldn't it be good if I could create a really good quality hoodie that is um, better, stronger, faster than anyone else out there? Um, Riley, wouldn't it be good if I could actually explain these games to people and get them to be as passionate as I am? So it depends on what you're passionate about. So at 18, I was probably just passionate about netball, right? <laughs> um, so it would have been – it depends on what I thought, but I would have had an open mind to actually look at what what other people are doing. Like overseas is, is a good example of going over there and going, okay, I saw a juice bar category, didn't like the brand, but it's sparked an idea to come back and go, right, I can do that here. Mm. So, yeah, so, it's a, so it depends on what your passion is. What about you, you found that passion, you know what you want to do? How do you then turn that into a feasible business? Okay, we start with a plan, right? So, and even me in my little basic little old world in um, 32, I did something, wrote, wrote a business plan and went, okay, start off with – so, and business plans don't have to be a war and peace. They don't have to be this big novel. It's really simple. It starts off with the first page is basically going, who is my business and why am I doing it? You know, what, what is the vision of it? What do I want this to be? What do I want my – you heard of BHAG? Big, no. hairy, audacious goal, right? <laughs> I like it. It's a BHAG, right? What's my BHAG, right? <laughs> and, um, you know, and I, my BHAG was one of the most um, loved and known brands in the world, right? So we're, we're heading towards that. Um, however, when we sort of started back then, it was – so the, the plan was there. So you start off with a blurb of who you are. Then you start off with a practical point. So what is it? Okay, it's a smoothie, um, here is what's in it. Here are the type of recipes I'm going to create. Here, this is how much the product will cost. This is how much we're going to sell it for. This is how we're going to market it. This is the projections on the numbers of what we believe we're going to make if we hit these targets. These are the assumptions. So you do a quick basic. So in actual fact, sometimes doing a plan, might even at that point, might go, this isn't feasible. Yeah. It yep. just won't work. My mm. margins don't work. I mm. can't get the product, have staff, have, I can't, it won't work. So in actual fact, I did that with a um, hairdressing. I wanted something for kids. I thought there was something overseas which I loved. I had at Harry Harry's and it was going to be a kid's hairdressing. Did the numbers, in the bin, next. Yep. So really by the plan, that's sort of the first start. And even then, if you think that the plan's there but you're still really passionate about it, give it a go. But try and do it with as least capital as possible. So you're t- putting your toe in the water just to sort of see how it goes. Mm. Like, we had no money. So, you know, we literally, um, you know, a few of Jeff's people from radio invested in Boost at the start and we did one store. I had nothing to compare it with, but off we went. Mm-hmm. I suppose today, you know, with access to technology, 
you can start, you know, for next to nothing, mm. you know, make an Instagram, a TikTok, and there you go. So people have all those tools at their fingertips. Yeah, it's just correct. a matter of, of using them, I guess, to the best of their abilities. Yeah. yeah. No, correct. And understanding your market and understanding their needs and they want and make it fun enough for them to share it. Yeah. 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 You're big on that. Janine, you spoke about inspiration and, you know, being in your house today, it's been, I'm speaking on behalf of Jack and I here, it's just massive, I think, especially for me, seeing your relentless pursuit and mindset on just, you know, just taking in your stride and go again and go again and go again. And I know that's something I'll, uh, I'll use in my journey moving forward. So thank you. No, my pleasure. Thanks for having us. Yeah, I'll second that. Um, yeah, I think our, our audience, as we said at the start, is going to get so much value out of this. And uh, we, yeah, we're really excited to be here and yeah, on it. So what are your vision for your business? In terms of like our BHAG? Yeah, well, yeah what's your BHAG? Our BHAG is to, oh, we should consult each other here, but it, I would say it would be to be the world's biggest blank clothing company. Right. And so, then, and so, okay, so what's going to stop you getting there? Um, I mean, I think people. Like we have to make a lot of good people choices along the way. Um, traveling internationally and, and getting our feet on the ground I think there's no substitute hence why we're out here in Sydney where we're doing that locally to begin we, we need we know that Australia is the first market the shooter fall where we have our sort of base foundation and once that's stable we're hoping about six to twelve months that'll be quite steady across all states and then we'll roll out to the UK with the visa there we think we can get about a three-year visa and work pretty comfortably through there and then you wear the grants don't you mm-hmm. great yeah, there's a mm-hmm. few grants around and then um and then the the US is sort of the last shoot or fall, we think, in this piece. And so why why would why would they take your product over someone else? Because like juice, right? I didn't invent juice, you didn't invent hoodies, but mm-hmm. why would they have your hoodie over someone else's? I suppose Jesse and I's background in streetwear, that's more our gap in the industry. It's very old-fashioned at the minute. And so probably through the quality and just the style and cut of product, we're, we've got our fingers on the pulse with that just being 26 you know, having run brands. So we kind of get what's coming up and we just feel like there's a disconnect between the major players and what they're offering and then what people actually want. So, yeah, I think quality is going to be huge. We're going to have some big uh, tests in terms of the service and, um, you know, the speed to scale. speed to market and scale. That's yeah. ultimately most uh, a big part of this business as well. So, As you would attest to, Janine, people buy people, not product as well. Mm-hmm. So I think, I mean... Uh, don't get me wrong, when we're wholesaling, people are using these products for their livelihood. So the product's very important. But I think Jack and I, you know, hence why we're doing this podcast today is we want to sell more than just the garment um, where we think our competitors are very fixated on just staying within the margins of a, a white T-shirt and, you know, trying to get the best margin they can where we're not so worried about things like margin, especially early days where we're wanting to win our customers' hearts with who we are and the lifestyle we live um, and what, we, yeah, our morals and values, I guess. So that's... Nice, but how do you tell that story? So how you tell how does because you go because I know you guys I know you you you're some of the good guys right, but then how do you tell people that because unless you can spend your ninety percent of your time twenty four seven telling introducing yourself how you're creating that in what's your story? Well, I suppose the podcast is a great medium for us to tell our story. People feel like they know us um, and trust us, and trust is a big element of what we do. I think your web, if you've got your website, you've yeah. Got your so Insta, yeah, social media, yeah. and that's yep. also a big a strong point. Probably our strong point within the industry is, as no, I said, no very prob- old-fashioned. No problems, Jack. It is our strong. It point. is our strong <laughs> point. Oh yeah, Jesse runs most of the market. It's the best part of the business. Uh, no, so yeah, that's definitely a strong point of ours, and something that we believe we're going to be able to do uh, a lot better than our competitors, and really shake it up. I suppose just bring a lot of youth. To the industry, like I don't even know if our competitors have a TikTok or a, yeah. or an Instagram, you know, an Instagram. But whether they're posting, yeah, I think we just we can see the landscape shifting from from under them, and and we're part of that culture coming up. So that's probably our our greatest strength. And so with um, and so you're thinking about overseas, but mm-hmm. not just yet. Mm-hmm. Very soon. Yeah, we think maybe yeah, six to twelve months. As a, we like, we just released our website last week. We've been trading for four months. Been good signs. We moved our biggest problem right now is getting in stock, having stock on hand to fulfill the orders. Um, right. Okay. Yeah. So yeah, we're we're moving. We know there's a need, demand. It's about trying to service that now and, and grow it. Yeah. We, yeah. We moved twelve thousand household garments within, and they they arrived about three weeks ago. So we sold them upfront without having them here. Mm. So okay. Nice. I'm nice. Yeah. So then, how are you going to keep up with stock then? 
Yeah, so we're, we're actually heading to China next week. Um, our Viet- we're going to China for 10 days in Vietnam. Our current supplier is in Vietnam. We went there for four weeks last year, Jesse yeah. and I. And yeah, so I suppose our supply chain, to answer your question, is probably the biggest shoot or fall. We have to yeah. expand our supply chain, yeah. yep. hence getting over there. Yep. Um, yeah, right now we're a little bit restricted just with manufacturing yeah, and certain things. So we want to try to broaden. That. So have you a plan? Have you a like? Have you set a structured plan of what you want to achieve, and what you need to do? Yeah, I'd say we're we're very much where our feet are. So I mean, maybe for the next six twelve months, but further than that, probably not. Yeah. yeah. The reason I say that is that um, quite often people lack planning. So for example, if you sat down with the two of you, went off for a surf trip, right? And you you know you catch up, and I, and I'd recommend doing all of. Olive's got a great great brain too. So, so go out with a whole bunch of mates, and then you go, okay. Where do we want to be in um, – you're right, you don't do five-year plan, that's, that's bullshit, right? But if you go, what's our three months, what's our six months, what's mm. our 12 months, what's our three years? As soon as you do that, you can then work back. So then when I asked you what's going to stop you, you can then go, okay, we're right now financially to get to you know, 50,000 level, right? We need this much capital. We also need this many people. And so you can plan out effectively because I can tell you now the power of planning is incredible. So what you'll find is, like I remember one time they said, oh, we want 100 stores in four years. And I just thought, bullshit, that's never going to happen, right? No way. Who's going to do that? Me, my great Dane. Seriously, <laughs> right? But in actual fact, when you when we did that way, when when we I remember sitting on the looking up at the whiteboard and went, okay, 100 stores, how do we do to achieve – how do we get there? And it was like, all right, well, we need one person there for that. All right, well, I'm going to start to think about that person, all right? Um, we need capital, all right? Always go to the bank when you don't need money, right? <laughs> so go to the bank and get an overdraft. So you can – like, but don't wing it, right? Really plan effectively and go do – and then, you know, with a three-year plan, that's always adjusting. So just – and keep that strategy simple. So I would really suggest that you go go away for a couple of days and with the whole purpose of walking away with a where is where is my plan? What is my plan? It's a very timely message because I think Jack and I are working within the business and not on the business. No. We haven't taken a second to breathe. So mm-hmm. it's a great – yeah, probably before we get away, we need to really write that out. Because what you'll find is that you'll, you'll wake up on repeat, right? It'll be Groundhog. You get up, you check your emails, you'll be reactive to you. You'll be reactive, yeah. right? You'll do an order, da, 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 right? Yeah. Then you'll find that you'll go to bed and you'll go next day and you'll be reactive again, right? But if you have a strategy day and a time where you go, I have to achieve, you'll actually put your thing aside and go, I have to work on our goal of this, the path of whatever that path is. So, um, yeah, I would highly recommend you, you sort of do a, um, uh, you know, a, a planned strategy day to get to where you need to go. I love it. I, I think to give you a little bit more context and to f- conclude, well, yeah. It's hard no, I'm just to, checking. Uh, no, you're good, you're good. <laughs> Are we good? Um, <laughs> is our we, – we started this podcast before we found our manufacturer. So we wanted to show everyone day one, you know, Jack and I you know, probably just registered for an ABN and we're like, this, we're going to take you on the journey. And I think our story becomes more fruitful and, and you know, just rich in, in all senses because even this chat today, I think our, our listeners, that have, the loyal listeners that have, this will be about the 60th episode, they'll go, wow, you know, just hearing these messages and the growth. And I think that's a compounding effect long-term, you know, three years time from now, maybe when we're sitting down, perhaps, you know, with multiple factories globally, it's like, wow, I saw them when they were in this 10 square meter room in Richmond, mm. you know, so that's, that's what we're all also working toward. Yeah, nice. No, good luck. Thank you, Jane. Thank you. Appreciate Pleasure. it.